This is the ironic thing as well. We celebrate with the same thing that we commiserate with. So like we even take the edge off the nice emotions as well. You know, like if you're really excited and you're like, oh, this is great. But then you're like, oh, I'm going to grab a drink. Like when we have a celebration or say someone gets like a job promotion and you're so excited and you're really happy about it we grab alcohol and it's like well alcohol will actually numb that feeling a little bit so don't you want to experience like a hundred percent of that joy so i just don't even think we think about it rationally i think it is just so ingrained in our culture to grab alcohol whether it's celebrate commiserate anything i just think that that's what we're trained to do and of course like social media doesn't help tv shows that perpetuate the narrative don't help either it's just so ingrained that that's what we do that's millie gooch and this is episode 218 of in the moment with me alex manzi i'm a coach and this podcast is all about self-development and helping you to live a happier and more fulfilling life each week we hear the stories and tips from some of the most inspirational people in the world helping to inspire you to make a positive change in your life And on this week's episode, I am joined by Millie Gooch, who is an author, speaker and founder of the Sober Girl Society, which is an online and real life platform for women who don't drink alcohol. And after years of partying and hangovers, Millie decided to quit drinking for real after it was taking a toll on her mental health. And she's now dedicated to sharing the amazing benefits she's got from this life changing decision. And this is a really fascinating episode. And there's so many amazing parts to, to Millie's story and what she's learned and what she's taken from this whole experience. And one of the bits I really loved is there's a moment where she starts talking about not needing to hit rock bottom in order to create a change because she didn't feel like she was an alcoholic per se and addicted to alcohol. But she had a problem with how much she was drinking on nights out and how that was affecting her life. And it wasn't necessarily a rock bottom moment in terms of like she was totally consumed by this idea of alcohol. But she recognized that something needed to change. And I think too often, and I, I've experienced this in my life, like I, my whole personal growth and self-development journey happened because I hit rock bottom, because I had a breakdown. And I think that too often we wait for that moment before we do something about making a change when we know quite a way before that, that there's something that needs to change. So I really love the idea that Millie talks about on like actually just identifying that it was an issue in her life and then making the change to quit drinking and to, to never drink alcohol really informs so many positive changes in her life. And she didn't need to hit that rock bottom moment in order to start making that change because otherwise what what you're doing is yes okay hitting the rock bottom moment is a very big indicator that something needs to change but you're then making the work from there a lot harder I mean it's going to be as fulfilling but the work is going to be a lot harder and it's going to seem like such a, a shake up of your world right but when you identify it beforehand and you actually go right I need to change this because I feel like it's not serving me in my life it makes that transition into creating the change a little bit easier. So during this conversation, we also spoke about university drinking culture, getting comfortable with your emotions and the benefit that stopping drinking has had on her relationships. But before we jump in, I'm excited to announce that my book, The Search for Clarity, is now also available as an audiobook. The audio is narrated by me and it shares my biggest learnings and lessons that help me to live a happy and fulfilling life and sharing the tips on how you can do the same too. The audiobook is now available via Audible and physical copies can be bought from thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash clarity. 
So the aim of this podcast is to inspire. So if you like what you hear in this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear from Millie. So hello and welcome. Millie, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. Like this is I've been reading your book, so I'm really fascinated into like where we can take this conversation because I feel like there's a lot of areas um within kind of what you wrote about in, you know, uh in the book. So I'm I'm excited to see where we dive into. Awesome. Yeah, me too. We could just go off on many different tangents. Oh, do you know what? I really hope we do. To be honest, I really <laughs> hope we do. Because I, I just I find like and I don't know if it's the same with you, but when you do like your get-togethers and stuff through you know the sober girl society but sometimes you can have a plan right like I can write as many notes and I can research as much as possible and come up with all these amazing topics and questions that I want to ask for but the second you get in front of someone and you start just having that time together and having a conversation it all goes out the window because it all just flows a bit more naturally do you know what I mean yeah, 100%. Do you know what, even writing as well, when I was writing the book, I had a very structured plan of what I was going to write about. And then I started researching stuff and I'd write something and I'd be like, oh, well, actually, that feeds into that. And it didn't really end up how I had initially thought it would. So, yeah, I think it's exactly the same process. Yeah. I've, and I think it's amazing because, like, you know, like you're saying, that writing process is very similar. And it's like when I write, I don't, I, I sit down and I take like an idea. So I'll take like an idea of, um, uh, spending time alone right I'll just have that in my head and then I'll sit and I'll just write about okay so here's something that I've learned about spending time alone and then I'll just fill the rest of the page or like two pages and then go back to it and I'm like oh I didn't expect half of that stuff to come out but it actually looks and sounds quite good like was was it a similar kind of process for you then yeah, definitely. I think I'd I'd really written like structured chapters and this is how I want it to go and these are the topics I want to cover and then I'd write a paragraph and then like something would come to my brain and be like, oh yeah, and that. And it was, I think as well, because I hadn't really looked back on like all my sort of like drinking career as you'd call it. So when I really did look back and really analyse, you know, like, okay, when did this start? Like when was this changeover? I think because I'd kind of pushed it down for a long time of like, oh, that was really like embarrassing part of my life. And then when I to like think about it and things started to come up I was like oh yeah and then that and then that and oh okay that's why I did that so yeah I just went off on many different tangents but I mean I'm quite butterfly minded anyway I always say I'd start one thing and then I'm doing something else I can't sit still for like 10 minutes so the fact that I'm going to sit still for the next like hour or so is is going to be a miracle (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that as a compliment then (laughs) Uh, that's awesome to hear like but you know I'm it's so funny like I'm so similar like I, I can I have a really focus on something like like this type of conversation. I can really sit down and focus on it. I can really sit down and focus on a bit of writing. But you ask me to to read or to like, you know, do some sort of research on something or anything else. And, and my mind just goes like to all these different places and I get so distracted with so many different things. And I'm like, no, no, wait, I need to come back to this is the task. Let's just put the timer aside. And like one of the things I've started doing recently is like I've started to um, write the next book that I want to put out and I've 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 struggled to get into the writing process this time so what I've been doing is like a couple of days a week as I just sit on my laptop before I've like checked an email before I've checked my whatsapp my you know my instagram my tiktok and everything else and I say shout to my phone put a timer on for 60 minutes and I just sit with a blank page and I just write and see you know if I can write two chapters three chapters four chapters whatever it is and it's like it's been that's actually been really useful just knowing that like that timer will go off at some point and I've just got to focus on this like right now 
Yeah, I think that I work exactly the same way. If I don't have like a deadline or like a structure or a set amount of time, then I will just go off and do different things. So yeah, I always set timers when I have to do work. And as soon as I've got a deadline, as soon as it's like an external deadline that someone else has set, Mm. I know I'll get it done. But if it's in like a, a thing that I've just decided that I want to do that's got kind of like an infinite deadline, it's just when I do it, then I really have to like set those. Okay, I'm going to do 60 minutes a day. I'm going to do this. Otherwise, I just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny, actually, because like even just thinking about it now, right, it feels like that's so applicable to every other area of life. And like reading your story and it's like there's so many parts in the book where you talk about saying this is the last time I'm I'm drinking, I'm never drinking again. It's like you're, you're almost setting yourself a deadline in a way of like, that's it, that's the last ever time. But then you'd go over it and you'd go out on the weekend and you'd drink again. Like what, what was the thing that kind of then tipped you over the edge in a way in terms of like wanting to actually go, no, this is it, this is the last time I'm going to drink? Yeah, I think this is the interesting thing, actually, exactly what you say about a deadline. And this is why, like, so many of us don't stop drinking until we hit that, you know, like, rock bottom. Because Mm. that is, like, the deadline, really. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to keep going until, like, this is the point where I have to. And it's weird, because when I look back, I'm like, I actually am very surprised still that I made that decision and stuck to it. Because there wasn't, like, a rock bottom moment for me. It was just another hangover and like my weekends were getting a bit like Groundhog Day, really. It was, you know, drink on a Friday and Saturday, spend my entire weekend hungover. You know, Monday feel a bit better again, Tuesday feel normal, Wednesday be like, I know what I want to do at the weekend. I want to go out and get hammered. So it was like this real cycle. So interrupting that was the hardest thing. I mean, one thing for me, I read this book called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. Mm-hmm. And I had this like almighty mind like set shift around alcohol. And that I would say is the catalyst. And I, you know, I, I always say a book changed my life. And I genuinely think it did because that day I like, it's not, I read that book and then that was it. I just stopped drinking. But that mindset shift made me see like sobriety and not drinking in a completely different way. And then there was a lot more work after that. But I, I, do pinpoint that as like one of the turning points was reading that book on a hangover and because I just never never ever thought about it in the way that this book talked about it before yeah well firstly I'm I'm astonished that you managed to read on a hangover because I know <laughs> I would definitely that'd be the last thing on my list like trying to focus my brain on words on a page but well it was a, it was an audiobook oh, okay, for right. exactly that reason and because I'm like you I can't I actually do find it quite difficult to read unless I like really really want to read a book yeah. so I'm quite a big audiobook fan as well oh, so you see I've only just got into them recently because I, I listen to loads of podcasts and it's like I've missed that that time of having something in my ears that I feel like I'm learning from and it's like when I'm having to you know especially in a short space of time like read a book for a podcast guest like yourself it's like it's easier for me to just digest it um audibly because I'm an audible like learner like I take more in when I listen than when I read even though I enjoy sitting down and reading um so so I'm interested in what 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 was it then about that listening to that book that caused that shift like what was the moment what was the thing that you just thought wow this makes so much sense for me 
I think it was that like idea of you don't have to wait until the deadline has expired of like not drinking you don't have to wait until you're that bad you don't have to wait until like drinking has taken everything from you if it is a visible problem in your life which it was for me you can actually just stop and it kind of talked about I mean it was called the unexpected joy of being sober so it talked about the joy of it and in my life sobriety had always been like you know boring a restriction and it actually made me see it as quite freeing and actually if I take this off the table look at all these other things that I might gain like I might have more money I'll have more time I'll have better energy my anxiety will be decreased like it really focused on the good side and not this like giving up like you're that's what we say we say you're giving up alcohol we never think actually you're gaining productivity like you're gaining clarity you're gaining all these things and that that was what it kind of showed me and I'd never ever thought about it like that before I was like oh god everyone who is sober is boring they had a problem they had this they had that and and I think just looking at it from a different way was just mind-blowing to me yeah and I I love that that comparison you made of like look when you look at people who are sober you think oh they must have had a problem like and we we assume so much of be it you know sobriety with with drink or alcohol or you know we we assume sorry not alcohol drugs we assume it to be oh you had a problem so you had to give up right that that um rock bottom moment that you mentioned before and what i find fascinating is that we make that comparison but then when when i hear your story and some of the you know people who you talk about in the book and no doubt some of the people who are you know part of the society as a whole it's like actually you're just casual every you know every weekend drinkers you're not alcoholics in in inverted commas but there is a, a problem with you know the way that your life unfolds after a weekend of drinking so what was your life like around that time when you or in that lead up really to that decision like what were the sort of things that were happening on your weekends when you were hungover when you were drinking that kind of made you reflect on this idea of like actually maybe this isn't such a good thing after all yeah, so I was actually quite a, I would say a latecomer to drinking in British terms. I didn't really do the like 14 white lightning cider at a park that all my friends did <laughs> when I was younger. I'd only been drunk before I was 18, probably like once or twice. And then I would I would probably even say like tipsy, you know, like a few Bacardi breezes at a family party. And then I am an August birthday, so I'm like the youngest in the year. So I turned 18 and then literally three weeks later I went to university and I went to Sussex in Brighton and like where I come from was like quite a small town you know like one or two bars everyone knows everyone and I got thrust into this like Brighton seafront nightlife culture (laughs) where there was like you know clubs lining the beach and I started working in like nightclub promoting I worked in a shop bar I had like three different student jobs that I like worked every week and I went from a person who just didn't drink hardly ever to literally binge drinking three four nights a week so I always say like I never really learned how to drink sensibly and when I went to uni it was kind of around the time when like Geordie Shaw had just started so it was like in its prime and that I'm that is how I modeled my drinking was you know we go out we get as drunk as we possibly can and we don't come home until like someone has thrown up and been put in an uber and I carried on like that for the whole three years of uni it is a miracle I ended up with a 2-1 I genuinely don't know how that happened. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. 
left uni and then I went to work in PR and then in journalism and both of those are quite you know they're media industries it was fashion it was notoriously boozy so we would work like fashion launches and then we would go to the like bar and drink copious amounts of wine I was living in Kent at the time so I was commuting home from London to Kent and ending up in like Dover because I would just go and fall asleep on the train and then I'd have to get 150 pound taxi back home (laughs) because this was like before Uber as well and it just gradually kind of got a little bit worse a little bit worse and then I was going out and blacking out quite a lot so I was drinking really quickly I'm quite a small human being and I was doing a lot of shots and that was causing me to black out so I would not remember like quite large like portions of my night sometimes good like four or five hours And then I started putting myself in a few more like dangerous situations. So I wouldn't remember how I'd got home. So I'd wake up the next day and be like, I genuinely have no recollection of how I got home. Um, And I wouldn't remember like what I'd said, what I'd done. And, you know, it's those things that we laugh about now of like, oh, I I can't remember if I spoke to so-and-so, did I accidentally call them a dickhead? Like I couldn't remember bits. But then it really started to affect my mental health. So I would be really, really anxious on the weekend. So I would get beer fear, but it would be like magnified by like a hundred. So I would just feel awful the whole weekend. I would, uh, my hangovers were horrendous. So I would just stay in bed. I would be sick. I would be like anxious and nervous. And then, you know, I would start to feel better by like Monday, Tuesday. And then it got to Thursday and I was like a goldfish and I would just do it all again. And I was just in this cycle really of just drinking. But it kind of, without me even realising, it became something that I felt more like I needed. And because when I had first started drinking, I just did it because everyone else was and because I was a student and that's what you're told to do. You know, Freshers Week was a pub crawl and and everything like that. But slowly it started to become something that I relied on. So I needed it for confidence. Uh, if I went on a date, I felt like I couldn't go on a date without drinking. And and it just slowly became something that I used when I was insecure, when I was ha- like unhappy, when I was stressed. And that kind of transformed before my eyes. And I think reading the book, I think another thing as well that I realised is that Catherine Gray, who was the writer, she was a few years older than me. And I read her story and I was like, my drinking is exactly like that. But hers was just like that added layer on top. And I was like, if I keep drinking, that's what my drinking is going to look like. So, I mean, in my book, I reference her as the the ghost of Christmas future. because It was almost (laughs) like someone was saying that this is going to be you. And like she talks about how she got um, arrested on a night out and ended up in Brixton police station because she told a police officer to F off. And I thought I've I've done so many stupid things on a night out that I would never do if I was sober um so I read that book in February 2018 and was like I think I'm gonna stop drinking because it is just really impacting my life I'm miserable all the time I'm anxious all the time I'm actually starting to rely on it a little bit more than I want to and three years later here we are so that's the kind of story in a nutshell yeah well, thank you for sharing I think it's it's such a fascinating culture isn't it the the uni culture because I didn't go to uni like I I I'm actually I, I look back now and I'm like I was very wise a lot more than I gave myself credit for at the time but like I decided not to go to uni because I didn't want to get caught up in that drinking culture and I knew that the type of person that I was at the time I was very much um I mean I didn't know it then but I was I was depressed right I was I was feeling very depressed in my life and I 
would find things to um as 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 escapism right so things like drinking i i started to realize later on that when i was feeling at my worst was when i just want to go out and get battered on the weekend I'd, or just go out and have you know just to take my mind off it and looking back now when i made the decision about not going to uni it was pretty much about like i don't want to go to uni because i don't want, i know the type of person i am and i know that if i go a, I'm not going to do much of the work because I never did a lot of schoolwork anyway. So let alone write 20,000 word essays and all that sort of <laughs> nonsense. But I also knew that I'd probably end up just smoking lots of weed, drinking a lot and playing a lot of PlayStation. I was like, that's not a very good use of the money that I'm going to be investing and time I'm investing in a uni experience. So let me just not do it. <laughs> but it's like, very wise. That was a very wise decision. Right. I like that. Like, I, look at, I look at it now and I'm like, that was such a wise choice. Because like, the easy option would be, yeah, let's just go have four years at uni and have like a bit of a laugh. But that being said, I did spend a lot of time and weekends visiting friends at uni. And it's like I was always very surprised by the culture of like, you know, it's such a heavy drinking culture, isn't it? And it's like, I don't know what it is about that environment that breeds that culture. But I, I don't know. It's just it's fascinating. I don't know what your kind of thoughts are on, you know, why that culture exists around universities. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is I do think it's changing now. I mean, the stats are showing that young people are drinking less. And last year, I actually went to Bournemouth Uni to run some pop-up alcohol-free bars in their halls of oh. residence. And I was shocked by the reaction. One guy actually came over to me and was like, oh, are these alcohol-free? And I got really defensive. I was like, yeah, and what? And he was like, oh, no, that's great because I don't drink. And I was like, oh, God, I feel really bad now. Like, I thought he was going to have a go at me. And um, so I would say first of all that's changing but when I was at uni I don't I don't know I think maybe it's just been a whole thing it's like all of a sudden you get these adults and like well I wasn't even an adult mm. I'd only just stopped being 17 and all of a sudden I was living with all these people and I mean the first few weeks as well because you don't know anyone you're meeting all these new people you're completely on your own I just drank because they were and because I wanted to fit in and I wanted them to like me because I, I didn't have my existing friends around me so I think you know it is such a, a liquid courage thing so I think that's like the first thing is meeting new people I think yeah being t teeny tiny adults all living together that actually don't understand the world yet but I mean it was kind of even enforced by the uni which I thought was like quite strange you were kind of almost like encouraged really they like one of the organized activities was like a freshers week bar crawl and you got like drinks tokens and I remember Jägermeister sponsored loads of stuff at the freshers wow. fair so it was kind of I've still got like I, I, I'm really weird in that I like keep everything like all memories and stuff I've still got like a flashing Jägermeister badge that I got <laughs> my freshers pair so I think yeah it's just so so ingrained but I do think it is changing is the yeah. good thing that's good and I, I think it's like one of those things where I think it's just that there's like a you know obviously platforms like yours but there's just a general rising of consciousness with people and I think we're we're beginning to question a lot more in terms of like you know why are we going out on these ridiculous drinking and, and binge drinking sprees why am I spending so much money on this one thing that in inevitably makes me feel horrible for like the next day or, or two days and it's certainly as you get older that's two day hangovers and it's like you know I think people are starting to question that more and as people are kind of going on this journey they're, they're finding interest in different things and other other ways to engage with people rather than just you know being that drunk funny person who can make friends with everyone it's actually I can make friends with people being me and I, and what I really took from your book is there's 
a real strong theme within it of like this journey of self-love as you kind of you know started your journey with sobriety you kind of went on this journey of actually this is opening up a whole new world to me to understand more about myself was that like an intentional thing when you were writing that you wanted to get across or is that just something that is reflected through the journey naturally yeah I think it's definitely something that I wanted to get across because I think I mean it sounds so cliche when you say you know like I went on this like self-exploration journey and but I was just so surprised that it wasn't just taking alcohol out of the equation it was actually like learning who I was because everything I was party girl that was my identity you know like everyone just bought me gin for my birthday and every meme I got tagged in was like the drunk one blah blah like all those videos that you see on Facebook I was always getting tagged in them and and that was my identity I was the one who decided what clubs we went to and got everyone like drinking their shots quicker and so that when I stopped drinking I was like I just don't even know who I am and so it, it became this like whole journey of like understanding me understanding maybe I wasn't this like extrovert loud mouth party girl maybe I was quite quiet and sensitive and did care what people think because I think when you're like my persona certainly when I was drinking was you know I don't care what people think I'm going to get as drunk and be as loud and it was you know following that kind of Geordie Shaw mentality when really inside I really cared what people thought of me and I was really insecure and and when I took away my kind of like blanket of alcohol courage it was like well now I need to learn to be confident on my own and how am I going to deal with these insecurities if I can't just neck back Jaeger bombs and forget about them like that was what it was and and I think people think oh you stop drinking but you it's not just about oh you don't drink anymore it's like okay well what are you outside of drinking and how do you relax and how do you have confidence and, and all those things so it, it I hate I hate and love the word journey because I think it sounds really like oh I went on this magical journey (laughs) but it has it has been a journey like the last three years I've like just changed completely as a person I always say like me three years ago probably would have hated me now she would have been like oh god shut up and let me just do my shots yeah I think the the journey thing's interesting right because I feel like what I get from what you're saying is like you, you get to this point where you're like, okay, I'm going to go on this sober journey. I'm going to stop drinking. And all of a sudden you're faced with like, whoa, I've lost like my whole identity. And I can imagine that's quite like destabilizing. Right. And it's like I, I've, you know, done a lot of things in my life where I've been committed to them and not necessarily like things like drinking, but just like jobs and like hobbies and things like that. And then when you decide, actually, I don't want to do this job anymore. I don't want to work on this project or I I don't, I want to stop this hobby and take up something new. You're like, whoa, hold on. I've just lost like a whole chunk of myself. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know, you know, how, how I'm going to react to this. Like how, like, destabilizing was it for you in those like initial days weeks months yeah it, it completely destabilizing because you you take that out and the prob- the problem is with alcohol in particular is it pretty much permeates like every part of life and especially when you're british you know from the minute you're kind of like wetting the baby's head to you know someone dies and you're toasting to them like alcohol is everywhere Mm. so when you take that out every single part of your life is then impacted so like I was single when I stopped drinking so I was like well now I'm gonna have to date and you know I've got hen do's what am I going to 
do for them and I've got weddings what am I going to do for them it it's not just like a hobby because it's so everywhere so it takes it changes every single part of your life pretty much apart from you like just waking up in the morning it's it's everywhere so that that is destabilizing because you're basically like a newborn baby again who has to learn how to socialize without drinking how to have confidence without drinking how to go over and approach people without drinking like you have to relearn everything basically like how to have fun without drinking how to unwind without drinking it it impacts so many parts of your life so it is completely destabilizing at least it was for someone like me who relied on it in so many of those situations yeah and and I'm, i'm assuming that like one of the big impacts it had on your life was with relationships like with friends family i know you said you were single at the time but dating you know what was the kind of effect on those before like how were those relationships and then what shifted and what's changed you know now yeah I mean I always say I'm I'm lucky I still have friends after like some of the drunken things that I used to do like I just remember one birthday my friends had gone to so much trouble to organize this like amazing night out and surprise and then it was about 2 p.m and like I always wanted to stay till the very end of everything I always wanted to be like the last one in the club they all decided they wanted McDonald's at 2 a.m and I told them all that I hated them it was the worst birthday ever they were terrible friends just because they wanted to leave and we'd been out at this point for like eight hours so like I'm not surprised and I just you know threw a complete hysterical fear and said you know they were the worst friends ever and I mean that's a very tame story some of the things that they've had to put up with so I was like a really crappy friend and then it's really ironic because when I stopped drinking I was like oh no one would like me if I don't drink no everyone will think I'm boring everyone and really it was actually the complete opposite because I suddenly became a very decent friend (laughs) like they didn't have to carry me out of club toilets they didn't have to like pretend to uber drivers that I wasn't being sick I didn't like cancel on plans the next day I like I just became a better friend and I became a better daughter as well like my mum was always worried every time I go out she'd be like please don't drink that much please be safe like call me at 3am make sure I'm still alive and and again, like I'm just a better daughter. I'd show up more. I'm present. And but I really worried, ironically, that those relationships would be so affected by me not drinking because I was like, people aren't going to like me. I'm not going to be fun. They're going to judge me, and and all those things. But in fact, it's only improved my relationships tremendously. Yeah, which is amazing to hear. Like, and and I'm interested. Were there things that you had to do to kind of like? Um, recultivate those relationships because like you said you're starting as like a newborn baby right so I'm assuming your relationships all of a sudden you're not wanting as much to go out with your friends and party and and drink because you've decided to give it up and you know going to restaurants when everyone's getting bottles of wine and this like you know how did you kind of navigate that I think in a way I was quite lucky as well that the age so I stopped drinking when I was 26 and that was the kind of point that I think some of my friends had started to like calm down a little bit so I I think had I given up drinking at like 22 23 it would have been a lot lot harder so I do really sympathize with anyone trying to give up if they're a little bit younger but my friends had kind of got to that point where 
you know, we weren't going to fabric until 6am anymore. It was kind of more, we'd go for brunch and people would get a bit outrageous and then that would be it. So I definitely, there was definitely some adapting, but I made a real effort when I first stopped drinking to kind of like suggest other fun things that we could do. And of course, everyone else, like when I first started saying things would be like, oh no, can't we just go to a bar? Do we have to do that? And I'd be like, no, 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 we're going to do it. And, you know, they are some of the memories that my friends talk about the most of like, oh, do you remember? that time we went whitewater rafting or do you remember that time we went axe throwing it's all those fun things now that they remember but I had to make a real effort to be like okay let's try and do something different and just you know kept checking in on them be like do you want to go for breakfast and and making a real effort to do things that didn't revolve around drinking so so that was one thing I had to do but as I said, I think I was quite lucky because I actually realised that I was the one who was making everyone go out and down their shots quicker when really they didn't want to. So that that's one thing that I did realise is that I was the ringleader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I was I was picking up though the hints of that as well because you said before that you were the one who was doing that and rounding people up at uni and you were like the party girl and getting people to down their shots and stuff like that. And then you know when you've started this new life with sobriety, it's like you've all of a sudden kept that role of the ringleader but you're now doing different things with your friends and it's it's like I talk a lot about the difference between like being and doing and it's like we focus so much on the doing which you know for you would have been like going out drinking you know rounding up your friends having a good time you know drinking shots and all that sort of stuff but the being around that was very different to the being when you're rounding your friends up to go and do something which doesn't involve drinking which is a bit more fun a bit more adventurous actually probably has you sitting down and having proper conversations and not just like oh talking about you know this person you just met in the toilet or do you know what I mean like all this sort of stuff <laughs> drunk get, friends. yeah exactly <laughs> drunk friends and you know all this sort of stuff you're actually having a meaningful conversation with your friends so did, did your relationships with your friends improve from a sense of like you all got to kind of know each other better because you weren't just solely basing your um, friendship on going out and getting drunk and everything like that yeah, 100%. I think the friendships have only got like deeper and strengthened because I think, like you said, we now talk about different things. We do different things. We create memories that we actually remember. I think a lot of our previous memories have just been, you know, drinking. And when we look back now, like all our nights just blur into one kind of like boozy night. And people will be like, do you remember that time? And they'll be like, oh, was that when we went to Sensor World? Was that when? No, actually, I think that was there. Whereas, like, now the things that we do are very specific memories. Like, oh, do you remember that time we did this? And do you remember that time we did that? So in that way, it has strengthened. But even just, like, being there as a good friend, being more present, showing up. Like, when I, say, I would go to, like, a baby shower, I would have one ear listening to the conversation and one ear thinking, are they bringing out Prosecco? Or (laughs) Whereas now I'm like fully there I'm like fully invested and I listen and you know like I'll wake up in the morning and be like oh yeah Sansa says she's got a doctor's appointment today I'm gonna text her and like tell her good luck whereas before I would have been hung over and like wouldn't have remembered or would have been like so self-absorbed in my own shame so like those kind of things have only strengthened my friendships yeah uh, yeah that's I think that's wicked because it's like you're you're emotionally investing more in the friendships rather than just kind of, you know, focusing on such a simple thing. And it's like, you know, we, we were kind of joking before about, um, you know, before we hit record about play, like boys playing PlayStation in the evening and kind of, you know, having that, you know, just playtime, right? But it's like, it's kind of 
develop my friendship a little bit with my friends because it's not just so much, oh, let's go out and let's have drinks and let's, you know, get battered and, you know, stop off at the kebab shop on the way home or whatever. It's actually within it we're still having conversations like oh how's you know how's your day like a few of my friends have one of my friends has just recently had a baby another one of my friends is his girlfriend's like wife should i say is is heavily pregnant so we're like oh how's you know how's the missus you know how are the kids and you're actually having like a bit of meaningful conversation with it and i feel like when you invest more emotionally through not being distracted by this thing of like drinking and the, the culture that it brings with it and partying and all that sort of stuff Yes, we miss hanging out with each other, don't get me wrong, but like, we're still having that connection in a different way. And I've, I've sensed like a bit of a shift around the way that we show up for each other as friends as well, right? And one of the other things that I found really interesting in the book is like the way that you kind of explain yourself opening up emotionally. And there's a moment where you talk about um, having like a breakdown in your office and you realize that you'd kind of, you know, through you know stop drinking and quitting you know quitting drinking you've kind of opened yourself up to sort of experiencing all these emotions that you you know previously suppressed like can you talk a little bit about like how that's been because I know for from personal experience that's a wild experience when you start to all of a sudden like open your arms to these emotions that you've had to push away for all these years yeah definitely also they're going back to like what you said about um like with the boys on the playstation and stuff i think that is the thing is that ironically you know alcohol is meant to be this great connector but you know if you listen to two drunk people having a conversation they're not listening to each other <laughs> they're just talking at each other whereas when you take alcohol out of the conversation you do actually make those really like deep things and like you said there's a bit of a shift and that might be because you know you're not all boozing you're actually like listening and engaged mm. and that's I would definitely agree with you on that and then yeah in terms of the emotions it was just I think every emotion that I'd ever had I'd kind of like well negative emotions anyway I'd just suppress down really so you know if I went out on a Friday night and I was feeling stressed I would drink or if I was feeling insecure and be like I don't like my outfit I just look drunk and it was just like every single emotion that was negative you know if I, when I went through heartbreak I drank through it it was it was my coping mechanism I didn't have a healthier coping mechanism that was it and because of that when I suddenly had all these emotions and was like okay I actually don't know what to deal with them my body went into this like weird shutdown mode it was like extreme anxiety I was getting panic attacks and and it was just all of a sudden I had all these emotions that I just didn't know what to do with them um mm. Which sounds really weird. So that's that's like one of the the big parts of the journey has been like finding healthier coping mechanisms, finding ways that I can unwind, sitting with my feelings, like all that stuff that I never did. Because as soon as I was remotely stressed, I'd be like, "Well, sod it, I need a glass of wine." Like that would be it. Yeah. Why Why do you think we do that? Why do we sort of hide our emotions with alcohol? It's just so ingrained, like, and but even positive emotions, this is the ironic thing as well, we celebrate with the same thing that we commiserate with. So like, we even take the edge off the nice emotions as well, you know, like if you're really excited, and you're like, oh, this is great. But then you're like, oh, I'm going to grab a drink. Like when we have a celebration, or say someone gets like a job promotion, and you're so excited, and you're really happy about it we grab alcohol and it's like well alcohol will actually numb that feeling a little bit so don't you want to experience like a hundred percent of that joy so i just don't even think we think about it rationally i think it is just so ingrained in our culture to grab alcohol whether it's 
celebrate, commiserate, anything. I just think that that's what we're trained to do. And of course, like social media doesn't help. TV shows that perpetuate the narrative don't help either. It's just so ingrained that that's what we do. Like happy or sad, booze is there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, even like from my own journey, like I mentioned before, like when I was younger, I would, when I wasn't feeling great and I was like feeling overwhelmed, I just want to go out and drink on the weekend. But I found as I got older... I don't really drink that much anyway. Like, I never really have. Like, I still don't drink a lot. Like, I'll, you know, even if I go out with my mates, I'm, I'm more than happy to have, like, one or two. I don't need to, you know, feel the need to don't get, get that drunk. But one of the things that I've really noticed is, like, when you open the door up to the emotions, like you said, the, not just the bad, like, the good as well. It's, like, through my journey of, like, going through depression and then suffering with, like, really bad anxiety, what I've noticed is, like, we're scared to actually feel the emotions that we don't like to feel and because of that we shut off all the emotions like you said so one of the things that I I noticed was I felt numb to feeling what actual real joy was like I'd experienced like these little moments of like you know the dopamine hit and all that sort of stuff but I, I didn't know what real joy was and equally I didn't know how to express like anger or sadness it was just like this this flat line of just like like a numbness like like we've said right and what i've noticed is that when you do actually lean into the emotion and almost welcome it your relationship with that emotion changes yes it becomes more difficult when you're feeling sad or feeling angry but actually you can go you know what i'm okay with feeling this right now like i don't feel that i have to push it away because like if you push something away like if i was to push you now somehow through the screen but if i was to push you now (laughs) your instant reaction would be to push me back right and the same is going to happen with with an emotion or a feeling if you push it away it's going to push back at you and it's like if you can actually welcome that emotion and be okay with it all of a sudden you're like "Ah, actually this isn't so bad like this is just part of our human experience right and that goes for the good stuff and the bad stuff Oh, I completely agree. And I also think if you don't have the bad as well, then the good isn't as good, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, I always think when I'm embracing sad, I'm like, this is great because when I start feeling happy again, I'm going to feel so happy. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, this is just this weird. It's like, like, I always like try to think of it. It's like, you know, you see like a heartbeat, right? It's like, if the heartbeat's flat, it's like you're not you're not alive. You're dead, right? And it's the same with your emotions. If you're emo- if you're not experiencing the high emotions as well as the low emotions, then your experience of living is is a dead one. It's just a flat one. It's it's a you know, it's going to say boring, but for want of a better word, like it's um, I can't, I can't think of a better word now. There's all, it's all gone. monotonous. Monotonous. <laughs> there we go. That's a fantastic. Yes, yeah, so it's a it's a monotonous experience, and it's like that's not yeah. what that's not what we want right and and then the reason we go out and we party and we want to kind of experience these highs is because we want to express you know the feeling that we can't feel because we're we're, we're pushing it away it's, it's it's fascinating really yeah i think that's what you realize as well that it's we just see it as oh you know it's alcohol you take it out of the equation but actually there's like a whole thing behind it to do with emotions and feelings and that was what i kind of realized is that it wasn't just actually i was going to stop drinking it was like okay i was going to learn how to feel my own emotions which is like a very unique experience so i think like it's just another technique that is so underrated for actually you know learning to be more emotionally healthy and that's one of the things that i said that's why 
I think it has been so good for my mental health because I haven't learned to like fear my emotions anymore I don't push them away I sit with them you know sometimes I will just bawl because I think it's also good to like express them so if I feel like I'm gonna cry I'm like that's it I'm just gonna cry I'm not gonna push it down I'm just gonna wail it's gonna be fine then once it out like once it's out you're like this is great so I think it it is just like another tool as well as to how you can feel your emotions and be more mentally healthy yeah for sure and have you got any other tips for you know feeling your emotions and being uh, mentally healthy yeah I think like expressing them as well and whether that's like through physical exercise I love dancing so I will literally just dance around the house like just to like get it out because I think think physically sometimes you just have to like shake it out um I do try and meditate I'm not the best meditator because I am a fidgeter but I do try it and that's the the point of it so that's one thing as well but yeah just like not being afraid to actually feel them to cry if you need to to wail down the phone if you need to and and to talk about it as well sometimes if it's in your head it just festers so if you tell someone like I always say like a problem shared is a problem halved I'm a big advocate of that and if you don't have someone to tell for me writing is an awesome medium so I will just get it out like lots of people journal but I mine's just kind of more of a brain dump I think <laughs> I don't have like a set day that I do it on it's just if it builds up I'm like right get it onto paper so I would say those things as well are like really good just to get it out of your head um but just sitting with it and like to actually just sit down and just think about it and sometimes you can just like let it run its course as well like you think the emotion think it through and then you're like oh okay I've thought about that now done um but yeah it is it is a hard task it's something that I still work on daily yeah yeah I think we no I think we all do I think but that's kind of the beauty of it right is the more you kind of work on it and the more you meditate and journal and dance around the more you're actually understanding yourself you 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 know like so earlier today I was feeling really like anxious about something I don't know what I just I just I just there was just something there and I had my lunch and I was still feeling it and I was like I gotta do this interview with Millie at three I was like I need to get out of my head in some way and although I didn't do any of the things that you said what I did do is I just sat down on the sofa and I just put a podcast on and I just sat and listened to the podcast and it's almost like by expressing, and I know I wasn't literally expressing what I was feeling, but what I was doing was I was getting myself out of my head and into something else. And instead of it being like a distraction piece, like, you know, like partying or drinking or, you know, all of these other things that we, we hear about, like these escapisms, it was more of me just like wanting to focus my brain's energy into something that was, you know, not necessarily productive but was like of benefit for me and it's really interesting because the the interview that happened to click on <laughs> so random was they were talking about podcasting and like getting prepared for a podcast which in which was weird because that's what I was almost trying to do by listening to the podcast in a way and it's like sometimes I feel like you just have to take yourself out of the mind that you're in and put that energy into something else and you know people who listen to the podcast often will know I'm a big big advocate of meditation for that um you know just having that space for yourself and to to be the person who observes your thoughts rather than like be the one who's getting involved in them um, yeah. but I'm interested to hear like what's your what your struggles have been w with meditation 
I'm just a bit of a fidgeter. It's actually the like physicalness of it, just like staying still for for a time. But I do try. I I try and do like a I do like bedtime hypnotherapy meditation because I find that easier to go like on my way out rather than like on my way in. <laughs> but I, I I think it's interesting what you say about like escapism as well because I think when I first started and I started learning about you know like fully like not trying to push your emotions away I kind of then demonized all escapism as like totally bad and then I think what I realized is you know I'm not perfect everyone does need that bit of escapism but there's something that is so much healthier as an escape method than alcohol because alcohol does do physical damage to you like it's a fact we all know that whereas reading a book isn't physically damaging but it's still like a fantastic method of escapism so if you are trying to avoid your feelings and you physically can't sit with them i'd say like there's definitely healthier forms of escapism than drinking um so i think that's that's one thing that i like try and think about because i started being like no i'm not going to read a book because that's you know just ignoring my feelings so I think those things but yeah meditation I I think it is the physical just like sitting down even like now I'm like fiddling and touching things so I need to just like yeah I think as well like I I used to be like that I found it really hard at first to meditate and not not physically like and I think everyone who starts you know meditation from scratch you have this there's a struggle right because we're not used to just sitting down and like being with our thoughts you know we almost like go through our to-do list in our head and like, oh when I've done I've got to do this and then I've got to do that and there's this thing later and I've got to do this stuff tomorrow and there's cooking to be and all this and you're just sort of going through this to-do list but you're not fully meditating in a way because when you're fully meditating you're kind of just actually allowing your thoughts to, to pop up and go and it's, I was actually writing something the other day like I don't know if it's just me, but it's like I used to think that I can literally control every thought in my head and like what happens and when. But it's like the more I've meditated, the more I realize that you can't. And a brilliant example is like when I'm in the shower, it's like and you've got and the shower is a really great example because you have no other stimulus. You don't have a phone. Okay, you might play some music, but you don't have anything else to distract you or, you know, create an input into your brain. The, the most random things come into my head like I could be thinking about like what I had for dinner last Thursday or like you know what that old boss said to me like 10 years ago to like the book that I read last year to like an ex from like seven years and it's just like all this random stuff and it's like when you realize actually you can't control what thoughts your mind's going to generate you then start to understand like when you meditate that's all your all your mind is doing is just generating thoughts and all you have to do is just observe them and be like oh, actually that's a weird thought okay and then bring yourself back into you know the focus on the breath or whatever the focus of that particular meditation is and it actually becomes quite enjoyable because then you finish the session you're like oh my god there was so much random stuff just bouncing around my head right then it's crazy it's so funny you say the shower actually because I am obsessed with baths and I always say like baths were one of the things that kept me sober because mm. again that was one of my like I would just go lay in the bath for like half hour no distractions no book no nothing and just lay there and like learn to be with my thoughts so that was an easy thing that I did as well was I mean I love a bath I'm, I'm the place I'm living in at the moment only has a shower and I'm, I'm really <laughs> not getting used to it because I like the laying down aspect of a bath but that is one of the places that I would learn to sit with my feelings was just in the bath no distractions just chilled listen to my thoughts watch them come watch them go and yeah not try and change them 
Yeah, I think that's amazing. And and one of the things that kind of really jumped out to me was I think it was kind of a bit of a, a, a throwaway line, but I think it's quite an important point in the book. Is like there's there's a, there's a part where where you say that think about all of the money that you're spending on alcohol and partying, but instead like invest that money on yourself. And I was like, wow, that's like I've never really thought about it like that. It's like you know, if you totaled it up, it's probably hundreds for some people, probably thousands a month, right? And it's like, actually, you could be using that money for something that's going to far more benefit you personally and, you know, help you evolve as a person. And like, you know, even if it's like trying something new. So like, what were some of the the things that you started to do with this newfound, not just, you know, uh, you know, money that you've saved, but like the time as well that you've saved in not always going out and not always drinking and not always going for a drink after work and everything like that? Yeah, I started, I mean, the first thing I did was go traveling. So I did like more extravagant holidays because I all my holidays before had been, you know, like I'd been to Ibiza four times. <laughs> it was always, you know, I would go on a holiday, but it was, I would come back grayer than I was before <laughs> I went. Like I need, I was that person who came back and was like, I need a holiday to recover from my holiday. So I actually started like traveling and doing more nice holidays and adventure holidays. I started doing like really random things things to like broaden my horizons and I started buying loads of self-help books and you know I started going to like inspirational talks and all those things because it is true that when you drink the only person who really benefits at the company is selling the alcohol and if you're like sad and you're using that it's not going to improve you there's no way that alcohol is ever going to make you less anxious less depressed it's just like chemically it doesn't do that for you so there's a million other what like things that you could be spending your money on that are actually going to improve those situations i mean i went to therapy for three months and i probably wouldn't have been able to afford that if i was still drinking so that's like really counterproductive because i was using drinking to like feel less anxious but it was making me more anxious Mm. once you take that out of the equation you go to therapy and then you're like oh okay i feel slightly calmer now this is great so like things like that I did as well and just you know everyone says oh you save so much money I didn't really save that much money because I spent it but I spent it on things that really benefited me at the time so uh yeah those are a few things I did and then just it's really hard because I don't like to be like (laughs) oh well as soon as you stop drinking you're going to become super productive you're going to start a business you're going to do this because it doesn't always happen that way but just naturally I am more productive I have more hours in the day I wake up I'm not hungover like I have more even like luxury lay-ins that I don't feel guilty about because I think well I would have been hungover during this time and I just have more time to rest so like on a Sunday before I would have been so so hungover I probably would have felt a bit better about four watched a bit of tv eaten some food probably gone to bed to make sure that I was okay for work on Monday whereas now I've got this like lovely Sunday that I can chill and go for a walk and then try meditation read a book like I just feel like I've got so much time that has helped benefit me and it's not necessarily oh I'm super productive now I do xyz but I've just got more time for me for self-care for enjoying life Mm, love that what what are some of the things you do then for self-care 
I mean, baths are like probably number one self-care, but exercise, I love quite slow exercise. So I love yoga and just, even if it's just like a good old stretch, Pilates, anything like that. But getting out in nature, I absolutely love. I really like water-based exercise as well. So like paddle boarding, I love, um, but unfortunately most of the lakes are closed at the moment. Um, Anything like kayaking, I'm obsessed with. So that's exercise enjoyable exercise for me is self-care I'm not a runner I don't really enjoy running it does and that that's the thing as well I started doing when I when I stopped drinking was stop doing like punishing forms of exercise or exercise Mm. I felt that felt punishing to me and just started being like okay well what exercise do I like what exercise makes me happy what exercise do I look forward to and just started doing things like that instead Whereas before I was like, you know, I'm going to drink like 20 Jager bombs, wake up and then the next day I'm going to try and go to the gym and run however fast because I feel like I need to burn off all the Jager bombs and sweat out the hangover. So then I started being like, okay, well, I'm going to take exercise a bit more mindfully and, and, and actually it just gave me like space to explore different things. So that's a really good self-care thing. And then just like connecting with my friends, I think. I think so much of our connection is based around alcohol that it kind of doesn't really become self-care anymore. But now if I like meet up with friends and we just have like a really nice like brunch or we just chat and we connect, that for me is self-care as well. Yeah, I I love what you said about mindful um, like exercise because for me, one of the things I really noticed during lockdown is that how much I miss going to the gym and it's not necessarily the act of exercising because I've you know done the home workouts I do like a yoga stretch like pretty much every morning I you've got like a little workout ball that like I use I've got you know there's all sorts of stuff behind me that you can't see but like foam rollers and like there's all sorts right but it's like it's it's actually the taking the time to go I'm gonna go to this place and this time is just for me it's just for me. Like, I'm not going there because I want to have, like, you know, washboard abs or, like, massive biceps. But I'm going there because I know that it serves me. It keeps my body healthy and it keeps my mind healthy, which then keeps me emotionally healthy. And it's, like, that approach to, like, exercise being something that's mindful and not just, like, you know, grinding your body until it's shattered, which is what we can, you know, f- fall into with, like, you know too much high intensity stuff like running and spin classes and it's, it's it's all quite intense right but it's actually if you can take a mindful approach to to exercise it serves you so much more powerfully like I, w- I would never even now step foot into a gym and just start trying to smash loads of heavy weights a because i can't but <laughs> but b because i don't particularly enjoy it and it's like if i'm not going to enjoy it then i don't want to do it yes i can still push myself within my limits but I still find that enjoyable. But just punishing yourself because you want to burn off, you know, the drinks that you've had or you want to, you know, get your stress out or your anger out is not serving you. Like what is serving you is like doing something mindfully and understanding why you're doing it and why you enjoy it and why it's good for you. Because then you can start to build up that awareness of like the person that you are rather than just always, you know, it goes back to what we said before, like pushing stuff away. Yeah, 100%. I think just like in all areas of my life, I've become that more mindful. Whereas like, yeah, before I was on this like 
go big, go hard all the time mentality. I was going out, getting steaming drunk, waking up the next day, being hungover, and then being like, oh, well, I need to make up for lost time now. So I'm going to go and I'm going to run really quickly and I'm going to do this. Whereas now everything, like, I just feel like I can have more like breathing space and more time to be like, hey, what makes me happy? What exercise do I want to do? What self-care do I want to do? Like, it's just more space. And my life doesn't feel like it's constantly like full throttle, which Mm. I absolutely love. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and is have these things kind of opened you up then to being a bit more spiritual as well because i know in the book you mention it and the, you know you talk about you know um aa sessions they they have quite a spiritual base not necessarily religious but like a spiritual but you know letting go of believing in something beyond like has has this journey kind of opened you up to that as well Yeah, I think just generally, I'm so much more open minded, again, because before I didn't have any space to think or appreciate other ideas. I I was so closed minded, because I was just like, drink, hungover, wake up, feel better, drink, like, I didn't have any breathing space. And I didn't have time to understand other people's attitudes. And I was quite selfish, I think, as well. Whereas, and especially changing a whole belief system on one thing. So everything I believed about alcohol, I now don't believe. So when you're suddenly like, oh, actually, you can believe one thing and then all of a sudden you can completely change your opinion about it has made me kind of like more tolerant to other people and other people's attitudes and more open-minded of like, well, actually, three years ago, I believed something completely different Mm. to what I believe now. So this person might be right about this thing. So I'm willing to listen and understand their point of view because actually, I might be wrong because I was wrong about alcohol so it's kind of just made me more aware more open-minded and and I don't I, I used to be very like jaded and cynical and now I'm a bit more well I'm a lot more actually like when I stopped drinking my friend I've got one friend who's very spiritual and she was like let's go to Reiki and I was like okay do you know what I'm gonna open myself up to it and let's see how it goes and I loved it and I really enjoyed it whereas when I was drinking I would have been like I'm not doing Reiki that sounds like ridiculous so now I think I'm just more aware and more open-minded and then actually when you read into kind of like alcohol and spirituality you actually find out that there is quite a bit of a link so they say that actually alcohol kind of like pokes holes in your aura and you're not attuned to the energy of things and it is quite true you know like if you are drunk in a pub and someone's looking at you you probably won't feel the vibe but when you're sober it is really weird like I can tell when someone's like looking at me or if my boyfriend's looking at me from the corner of his eye I'm like what what why are you looking at me I can see I can see it and it is kind of more like you are a bit more attuned to like the energy of the world so yeah it is an interesting one and I've definitely become more open-minded I would say yeah which I think is great because I think there's there's a lot of space for learning when you do become open-minded and it's not you know it's not to say that you know if you if you stop drinking or you you drink less that you're going to go around like walking around barefoot and grow your hair and become like this ultimate (laughs) yogi who only eats plants and you know hugs trees and stuff which you know don't get me wrong I'd love to live that life in many ways um I think it just you open yourself up to learning and, and new experiences like you said with the reiki right that's that's something that is very spiritual because it's all about cleansing the energy of the body and understanding the seven energy centers and you know where you're holding blocks and what what where the energy flows more through you than than other parts right and it's like when you start to educate yourself and it's again it comes back to that point of self-love and self-care you 
you're just building up more of a picture of who you are and it's like you're seeing that little newborn baby that you kind of felt you you were like you're seeing that newborn baby grow into like this this human being that you're probably you know in many ways meant to be rather than like the human being that you're told that you should be kind of thing yeah, a hundred percent. That that is what you realise as well. You're like, I've just been doing this the whole time because everyone else was, and that's what I thought I should be doing. And actually, is this what I wanted to be doing? Like, is that the person that I wanted to be? No, it's not. Like, this is the person that I want to be. So you do. You just become more open minded and more like, yeah. You you learn things about yourself. I think. Mm. And has it made you more reflective then? Like being more open to stuff in terms of like you know i saw something on your instagram um i think it was a couple of days ago now where your friends you know made these i think it's a candle holder and you're talking about like space and the universe and like reflecting on the fact that we're basically just dust <laughs> floating through space like has 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 that played an element into like you know how you're now experiencing yourself and the world around you yeah and it's just given me time to like explore things that I had an interest in but never had time to learn about or or actually absorb because I was too hungover pretty much so like I've always like loved space I've loved the idea of space I used to like it when they had like the planetarium come to your school I would just love that so then like when I stopped drinking I'd like start watching like the odd you know Neil deGrasse Tyson thing and and I just became more interested and I'm not I'm not claiming to be a space expert in any way but all the things that I always used to like I actually started doing again and and things that made me happy I always say before I stopped drinking like when I look at space I find it fascinating and I always if I'm feeling really anxious I'll put up on YouTube like NASA videos of space and I will just lay there in the dark and just watch them and because it does it makes me feel like really small and really like you know why am I worried about these things because there's an entire universe out there that we don't even know and so I started doing things like that and I just started like learning about things that I like doing and that interest me and things I loved as a kid like dancing I talk about it in the book I, I was like a a competitive dancer until I was at 18 in 2010 I was on Britain's Got Talent before I got beaten oh, by wow. a dog which is a very <laughs> interesting <laughs> touchy <story>. subject <laughs> yeah, so, yeah don't talk about it um and um, then I went to uni and I like stopped dancing really because I just cared about drinking so then you know when I, I left uni and I stopped drinking then I started dancing a bit more and uh that's something that I still do now so I've got back into like hobbies and things that I like doing as a kid like I like going bowling I like going to the arcade I like doing all those like things that made me happy before all of a sudden my default for happiness had become drinking mm. so whether that was space whether that is you know going to a kid's birthday and eating loads of cake I have embraced like my inner child and it's just given me more like wonder for life I think as well before I was so like clouded and so like oh I just want a drink in my hand and or I'm hung over it was one or two I was so like fogged out really to the world at all points whereas now it's like that has been lifted and like the world is in HD and everything is like wondrous and I'm, I'm not I'm making it sound like every single day I wake <laughs> up and I'm like oh my god life is amazing like, it's not like that but I just have that like more childlike wonder like at Christmas I like driving around and looking at the Christmas lights and feeling that like magic of Christmas which for me kind of got overtaken with 
a, a jumper that said Prosecco ho 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 and always having like the latest gin in my hand that had like snow globe sparkles in it like that that kind of encroached on all those things that I loved as a kid that were joyful and magical and and that's how I feel about space and I think that's yeah those are the types of things that got blurred over with alcohol so now everything is like quite wonderful i think yeah and i like that the the pictures you painted of like everything's now in hd it's like it, it makes me think of um oh, what's the film where it like starts off in black and white and then slowly like it becomes color as they kind of like i can't remember what the film's called it's not oh, really in, have you ever seen it no I, oh, think so. I, I have to try and remember it and i'll let you know but it's a film that basically yeah. it, it starts off in black and white and then the main character starts to notice like these flashes of color on like flowers and stuff and then by the end of the film like the whole world to her has become you know colorful instead of black and white and it's like it kind of reminds me a bit of that it's like we're we're, we're so ingrained in the culture and society that we've been brought up in, which is like the kind of black and white world is like, this is the only thing that, you know, is like this culture of, you know, working really hard, you know, living for the weekend um, partying with your friends, you know, all, all of this stuff, like, you know, mundane, you know, water cooler or, or work kitchen conversations over a cup of tea, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then when you kind of, just shift out of that perspective a little bit you get those dashes of color which are like oh wow actually like i really enjoy like this reiki thing or like wow like these youtube videos on space are like really cool or like for me it's like i got into skateboarding like a couple years ago it's like like i can't believe i never even thought about trying it before it's like this is amazing like why have i not tried this it's so fun and it's like reading about different you know um like understandings like from a psychological or spiritual or religious point of view like to me i find fascinating like how other people see the world and it's like when you step out of that black and white and you start to throw in those dashes of color you're actually like just lighting up your life in a different way and it's like the more you can fill in the color part the more you're experiencing like truly how i believe we're supposed to experience life which is like with a sense of wonder and joy and you know you said like a kind of childlike playfulness and it's 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 crazy that we get stuck in one part of it for so long before we actually then realize that there's more to life than what we've been doing this whole time there's so much more and it's like we should be trying to experience it yeah i completely agree and that's that's what i say to people about like not drinking it doesn't have to be oh this like rock bottom moment it can be that actually you just take it out and you get to witness like more joy in the world, more clarity, and you you have time for the things you love. It's it's more of that I see it as like an obstacle to not complete happiness, but but being more content rather than mm. something that you have to wait until it's a problem. It's actually just like another level that you can unlock really and go to the next stage of like oh this is great. And I, I think that's the thing when it is in HD. Although sometimes, you know, the emotions are harder and you do, do have to like deal with those things. And when you're sad, you can't just gloss over it with alcohol. But then the good bits are in HD as well. So when you do feel joy, like that joy is so like pure joy. And it's not just because you've like necked 10 tequilas and you're getting super rowdy. It's like real like innate sense of like lovely content joy. So I think that's like the nice bit is that everything in is in hd so that can be a problem because you your stress you can't just gloss over it you have to learn to deal with that but then the, the good bits are in hd as well yeah and i think it just all feeds into like deeper 
um, deeper learning, isn't it? It's like if you can actually learn to deal with your stress rather than just like you said, gloss over it with a few drinks or by, you know, some sort of escapism that isn't going to benefit you, then you're not actually dealing with the stress and, you know, processing it properly, right? You're just, you're just like pushing it away and, and, and like closing it behind the door in a way, right? But it's like, if you can learn to kind of open yourself up to those things like we said before, right? It's, it just deepens your learning. It just deepens your experience. And it's like, it's just, it's just a different, it's just a different experience of life, really. Like, I don't know, it's sometimes I just don't know how to put it into words. It's like, you just want to express it with like all of this stuff and you're just like, oh, I don't know how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I fully agree. Yeah. So one of the things then like I kind of want to uh, touch on as well is this idea of boundaries because I feel like going through the journey you've been on of being someone who was, you know, a, a heavy drinker and was the kind of party girl of your group and the one who was getting everyone together to go out to then, you know, not being that anymore and quitting drinking. Like how did you go about putting boundaries in place? Yeah, I found it very hard at first because I felt like I was being really hypocritical that I, you know, had been the one making everyone do shots and then all of a sudden I didn't want to drink and I didn't really want to be around drunk people. It was quite ironic. So I think it was something that I've definitely learned and something that I still learn now and I've spoken to like a lot of different therapists I spoke to one for the book about you know like what really is a boundary like is it something that we do we want someone to change for us or is it something that we really need so like we kind of talk about the example of if you've got like a partner that drinks but you don't drink and you have to do like a lot of like boundary negotiation but also I found like my boundaries changed over time when I got more comfortable with situations like I can happily be around drinkers it doesn't bother me anymore whereas at the start it felt like oh I don't really want to be around these drunk people because they might make me want to drink so like your boundaries change over time and it's the same with when I first stopped drinking I didn't really tell people I didn't really go into the store like the whole story I just said you know like I'm not drinking right now I'd appreciate if you like didn't keep asking whereas you know like five six months later once I got comfortable with the story I'd be like actually I'm not drinking because it was making me so miserable like there were some points where I was really really low it's and I've done six months without it and I'm the happiest I've ever been so kind of changing your boundaries depending and I mean I still even change them now because if like someone asks me why I don't drink in a really like nice inquisitive way I will give them the whole story because I think they probably are thinking about it if they've asked me in that way whereas you know if I go to a work drinks if I'm freelancing in a different office and then I speak to someone and they ask me in a way that kind of insinuates that they think it's a ridiculous idea then I just can't be bothered to entertain the conversation so I just say oh, I just don't drink and if they're like why and I just say oh, I just don't so again like your boundaries can change depending on the situation or the person so that that's one thing I've had to learn as well you don't necessarily have to have super rigid boundaries mm. but the boundaries that you do decide to set you have to keep rigid yeah and I think you know I, I'd like to add on top of that as well is like the idea that we see boundaries as a negative all the time like we hear like oh like if so, if you're you know having like a conversation with someone who you're dating or who you know early on in a relationship and you're like you start talking about boundaries you can see it as a bad thing of like oh my god like does this mean like these are things you don't want me to do or times you don't want me to be around but it's actually you're just learning to it's like um cultivating your own energy in a way you know we see it as like a defense mechanism or like protecting yourself but actually you're just you're learning to get the best out of yourself that's all it is and it's like a lot of you know people who i know like my friends my girlfriend will know that 
if you send me a message in the morning, like I'm not going to reply before like 10 because morning is my time. That's like one of my boundaries is like morning is my time for my exercise, my meditation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, that's a healthy thing for me because if I'm not doing that, then I'm not going to be the best friend I can be. I'm not going to be the best partner I can be. I'm not going to be the best, you know, podcaster. I can be a coach. I can be in writer or whatever, like all of these things. It's like, that's a boundary I put up for me to, to get the best out of me. And I think if we can reframe that idea of boundaries to, to, to that level of like, actually I'm doing this for me, then it changes it a little bit. It makes it, it makes it a softer thing to, to, to negotiate. It's not like you're just being like, nah, don't, don't do that. You can't do that. It's actually, this is something I need to do for me. Yeah, a hundred percent. And some people, especially around drinking will test those boundaries. And that is, Again, I always say, like, I'm really quite radically honest with people now because if they try and push those, I say, look, I have to do this, like, for me because I want to be the best person that I can be. You know, if I do drink, I'm going to be a terrible friend, I'm going to be a terrible daughter, I'm going to be a terrible all of those things. Whereas if you don't push me now, like, this is great for me and it's going to benefit you because I'm going to show up, I'm going to be present. You know, if you're drinking tonight, I can take you home and make sure you get back safely, like... I always say it is for me and and it is hard to get that across to people but I think a lot more people are talking about boundaries now and I think more people are completely understanding that which I think is really good yeah I'm interested there like those those fears you have of like not being the best friend and best you know daughter and everything did you think that those fears sometimes can hold you back as well Do, do you mean like do you think they hold me back now yeah um, I don't. I think they hold me accountable to not yeah. going back to drinking. I don't necessarily think they're a bad thing because I still do use some of those like negative things as a reason to carry on. Because I think otherwise, if I gloss over everything and remember it as a really rosy time, I'd be tempted to go back. Whereas, you know, like I regularly search by WhatsApp for "I'm never drinking again" and look at some of the like things that I'd sent my friends, and those actually spur me on to be like, "Yeah, I don't want to go back to doing that." And I get these, which is quite a regular phenomenon for people who stop drinking. I get drinking dreams, mm-hmm. so I will have a dream sometimes that I've drunk, and I woke up and I'm like really panicked. But I have like reframed them now as like good things because I I wake up and I'm like, that is exactly how I never want to feel again. That like, <gasps> what did I do last night? Like, what did I say? So I think, yeah, I don't know if they hold me back. I think they they hold me accountable and keep me rooted in the path that I know is best for me and stop me being tempted to go back. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of reframing the fears. Like, I think that's that's super, super powerful. Um, but yeah, look, this this has been an amazing conversation. Like, I've, I've really enjoyed it and I feel like I've learned a lot from it. So I want to uh, thank you for the time today and to kind of sign out. Do you want to let people know where they can find you online and keep up to date with everything you're doing? Yeah, of course. So you can find me on Instagram at Millie Gooch. Or if you're sober, sober curious, you can come and look at Sober Girl Society. And the book is available in all good bookstores and Amazon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode. If you did like what you heard, then please be sure to leave a review. And even better still, hit the subscribe button so you get all of the latest episodes straight to your phone. And if you know someone who you think really benefit from hearing this episode, then be sure to send them a link or a screenshot because it's really important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this. I started this podcast to help inspire a positive change. And you can also be a part of that by sharing this episode with someone you know today. 
As ever, you can connect with me on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know if there's anything you learned from this episode by just dropping me a message or a DM over there. Thank you for listening and I will see you for the next episode.